Hello, everybody. My name is Sophie. And my name is Gemma. And this is True Crime Say What, the show where I know what I'm talking about. And I'm just here for the ride. All right. Well, today we are going to be talking about the case of Emma Walker. Emma Walker. Yes. Um, Oh. This was a pretty big case in 2016 when it first happened, but I haven't seen anyone really talk about it since then. I'm going to get some water because I just realized how parched I am. (laughs) Yeah, you're fine. I have water. New mic. Make ASMR now. I'm back. I I had water in my room. I took over the show. It's okay. Oh, you did? I can't wait to hear that one. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing some ASMR. Ah, cool. My favorite. Away from the mic. I know, yeah. (laughs) Anyways. All right. Let's go ahead and get this started. Emma Walker was a young, vibrant 16-year-old girl who attended Central Heights High School just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, hey, I know where that is. I, hey, I Tennessee. Um, well, I'm, the University of Tennessee is... Is in Knoxville? Is in Knoxville, I think. Okay. I think. That checks out. Uh, the students at Knoxville High thrived on school spirit and Friday night lights, which is Friday night football games. Um, Woo! For their beloved home team of the Bobcats. Uh, if you didn't go to a school in the South, then football is a very big deal. I'm sure it's a big deal other places, but in the South, it's like a whole nother level. Uh, a former student, Seth Armstrong, said on the matter that on Friday nights, everybody's always excited at school to see how we'll do. It's what our school revolves around. So, very football-forward school because we're in Tennessee. Emma was no exception to this, as she was a cheerleader at the forefront of all of the action. Emma loved cheerleading, and um, apparently she took it really seriously, and not like in a bitchy, like... um I'm a cheerleader, seriously, but she really loved to be in the spotlight, be in front of the crowd, and she really liked to feed off of a crowd. Like, she liked hearing all the cheering fans and stuff like that. That was where she was happy. Cheer is, cheer is pretty cool. Yeah. I, uh, I watch Cheer on Netflix. But <laughs> it's, it, no, it's <laughs> the show. I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah. Cheer is intense. It is. Um, Obviously, there are different degrees of cheer, and like high school cheer is not as intense, but it still, still seems pretty cool. Yeah, you still gotta do like a bunch of tumbling passes and stuff. Oh yeah. So you know, uh, I think she was a flyer too because there were a lot of pictures of her like on top of towers and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, Emma was not only appealing to the crowd, as she had a lot of friends and family who described her as having the exterior of a preppy, snotty teenage beauty queen, but the soul of a sweet, down-to-earth girl. So she just wanted to be everyone's friend, apparently. You know, smile that shines, lit up a room, all that type of stuff. 
Emma was also an honor roll student, as well as being super nice, super pretty, super popular. She's also on the honor roll, so she literally has everything. <laughs> and she's, she's doing it all. She's doing it all. She was an honor roll student. She volunteered at the local animal shelter because she had a deep love for animals and taking care of them. And she also had a love for babies, specifically newborns, which lined up with her um, aspirations of being a neonatal nurse, which is a nurse that mm -hmm. deals with newborns and all that kind of stuff. So they would work in like a NICU. That's what she wanted to do. In Emma's freshman year of high school, she met the Bobcat standout wide receiver, Riley Gall. Riley was a talented football player who had big aspirations of making it in the NFL, possibly. Um, he was a pretty good football player, from what I know. And a bunch of people were like, yeah, if anyone from Knoxville was going to make it to the NFL, specifically from Central High, it was going to be him. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he was driven. He was good at football. He, he had it all. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Riley, again, wasn't described as a typical jock. Uh, he was an active member at his local church, and he had a love for Star Wars and other nerdy occupations. Well, not occupations, but activities. This is the guy who might um, spend his Saturday building the Death Star out of Legos. <laughs> which, you know, I'm down with that. That would not only take one Saturday. Yeah, no, that would take multiple Saturdays. <laughs> How many pieces is that thing? Um, I don't know. It's a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, perhaps this is what drew Emma to Riley in the first place. Because despite their two-year difference, she had a huge crush on him. Yo, it's almost 4,000 pieces. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're good. I heard you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Emma had a huge crush on Riley, and pretty much all of her friends and all of Riley's friends knew about it. Um, apparently, Riley was the last one to find out because, you know, guys, they just are oblivious. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Riley also happened to be dating someone else at the time, so that was another thing that Emma didn't want to get in between their relationship because she's not that type of girl. But once Riley learned of Emma's interest in him, he just totally dumped his current girlfriend to go out with Emma. Oh. So. Okay. Um, I don't know. Emma was, like, totally infatuated with him, so she was like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna go with this guy. Uh. So hey, Emma. Relationships. We all make Emma. that mistake, but Emma. We. Kn <laughs> <laughs> Emma, no. <laughs> He's not gonna be faithful if he just chooses He's, to dump. Yeah, that's red flag number one, Emma. <laughs> Can we get a counter in the corner? Yes, that's that's one. <laughs> all right. When the relationship started, Emma was totally head over heels. Her and Riley started to move things along pretty fast, according to her friends. 
Um, some of them said that they thought Emma was moving a little too fast into this relationship, but they couldn't really say anything to her because Emma was always the type of person who was going to follow her heart. She wanted to learn about things on her own, so she was going to do it, and she was going to be stubborn about it. Okay, but this is a true crime podcast, Emma? (laughs) 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 Oh, no. We have become the opening credits of Supernatural. Oh, oh my god, yeah. Um, in case none of you uh, had a Supernatural phase, if you see random people at the beginning of Supernatural, they're gonna die. <laughs> and that's gonna be the monster that they're fighting. Because yeah. like every episode is a different demon or whatever that they're fighting. So yeah, uh, I think we have. Their whirlwind romance wasn't perfect, though. As a couple months after Riley and Emma started dating, Riley revealed to Emma that he had promised his previous girlfriend he would take her to prom that year, and that he intended to keep that promise. Riley! (laughs) You broke up with her! To be with Emma! And then you're like, oh... Actually, I did tell her we were going to go to prom. So, like, we're going to go to prom. Yeah. I I mean, I said I was gonna. Riley, what? Did you even prom pose? <laughs> even though this revelation broke Emma's heart, she went, she went along with it because she didn't want to lose Riley. And you know what he said to make her feel better? We'll go to prom next year for my senior year. He told Emma that. Okay. He said, I'm going to take this girl to my junior prom, and then next year for my senior prom, I'll take you. Because I really like you. Well, (laughs) you better keep that promise then. Like, even if he's dating another girl. Emma's determination to be with Riley started to cause tension in her home, though. Emma's parents really disagreed with Emma's devotion to Riley and disapproved of their relationship. Because they were like, um... What? (laughs) You're dating this guy. He said what to you? But he's also taking this other girl to prom. Yeah. Despite this, Emma's stubbornness to stick with Riley prevailed, and the two dated on and off for two years in high school. Okay. So uh, it was kind of one of those relationships where they would break up sometimes, but then you you knew they were going to get back together, no matter how annoying it was. Yeah. Especially being like a friend of theirs. It's like, oh, they're back together again. Uh, this was until Riley's graduation, uh, where he went off to Maryville College, which was only a 30 minute drive away. When Miley, Miley, oops, that's my dog. Miley. <laughs> when Riley. Miley went to college? Miley went to college. She's educated. <laughs> when Riley moved away and two tried to keep their relationship going but just before thanksgiving emma reportedly saw multiple snapchats of riley with several other girls around campus dude the high school relationships and being right before thanksgiving oh my god yeah yeah it's, <laughs> that's such a trend it's it happened a thing. To me. it happened to me <laughs> it happened to me too wow let us know if you guys had that trend. Because 
It's a thing. So you're like, I'm curious. Like, we need to know. We absolutely need to know. But yeah, he was with other girls. So she was like, I'm not doing this again. Smart. After confronting Riley, Emma decided to break the relationship up for good, and she made it clear that she did not want to get back together with him. On the evening of Sunday, November 20th, 2016, Emma went with her father, Mark Walker, and little brother to get ice cream. The night's activities were cut short as Emma wanted to get to bed early in anticipation for school the next day. They were going back after... Excuse me. Never mind. Mark said... Mark, Emma's father, said that he told her he loved her, and they both went to bed. In the middle of the night, Mark described hearing two loud noises. The noise, he said, sounded like someone slamming a door inside of the house two times. So someone opened the door, slammed it, opened it again, and slammed it. Um, okay. Being alarmed by this, he jumped out of bed to go check on Emma and her brother. And he, when he opened both of their doors, he saw them both asleep. So he was like, okay, maybe I'm just hearing things. So he tried to push the thought out of his mind. And he went to check the rest of the house, saw nothing was amiss. No doors were open. So he went back to sleep. No. When morning came, Emma's mom, Jill, woke up early to wake up her children for school. She got to Emma's when she got to Emma's room, Jill couldn't wake Emma up. But Jill said she frantically tried to check for a pulse and she felt none. So she immediately called 911 and she was hysterical, of course, because what the hell? You know what? What? I think I know this case. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there was a dateline on this case, so, like, we may have watched it, it together. Yeah, it must be that. Yeah, so yes. you may vaguely remember it, because I vaguely yeah. remembered it when I was researching it. Right, I won't know all the details. Yeah. But that, that's just funny. I was sitting here and listening, and I was like, this? Yeah. <laughs> I know this one. <laughs> I know this one. Yeah, I do. Uh, she told the victim dispatcher that she tried to wake her daughter for school and she found her unresponsive with no pulse because that just happened they were forced to announce her dead as she had no pulse emma was still lying motionless in, in her bed and to any onlooker looked as though she was simply sleeping soundly the only thing that was amiss was a small stain on her pillow yeah no i definitely know this one the stain on the pillow Oof. So ominous. Mm -hmm. While Emma's family was still trying to grasp the idea of her sudden death, news of her accident spread around the school and the town like wildfire. Not shocking. Emma yeah, no. When something like this happens to a 16-year-old girl, it's like, whoa, what the hell? Yeah, like, she was in high school. Yeah, she was a baby. She So... She would have been a year older than me. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. She was 2016. Or she was 16 in 2016. I was 15 in 2016. 
So, oof. Emma's friends, the news of her death didn't seem real at first. Um, they all got like texts and stuff like that, and they were like, what? No, that's not a thing. And then they started to read into it, and they were like, oh god. Because when you're 16, you feel like you're going to live forever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess. Or you feel like you're not going to die, or your friends aren't going to suddenly die. Meanwhile, Riley was in Maryville, in his Maryville College dorm room when the news finally reached him. His phone was suddenly flooded with phone calls and texts from concerned friends and family. Riley took to social media and wrote a long list of heartfelt messages about her death. The quote was, I love you, Emma. I can't be around anyone yet. It's too soon. I know you know I'm dying to be there, but I can't. I love you. This was among several other messages and Bible verses that were posted by Riley on the afternoon of Emma's death. I think he even... Okay. Yeah, he even, like, changed his bio to, like, living my life through Emma. I love you, my angel. Something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was, like, very much... So clearly either upset or putting it on. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Riley and other friends and family were overwhelmed with support from people within and beyond their community. But still, what happened to Emma was a mystery. For as much outpour of support going around social media, there was also slander and speculation, which I always hate when this happens. People were spreading nasty rumors about the possibility that Emma, uh, about possible ways that Emma had died. Popular theories included Emma overdosing on drugs in the middle of the night or that she had committed suicide. Like, which, why would, what is the point of... No. Why? Like, Why would you say that about her? Like, you know nothing about her. You, you can't just say, oh, 16-year-old girl frowned on responsive on her bed. It must be drugs. Like, it could have been some medical issues that they had no idea about. Yeah. Like, come on. I hate that. Those who knew Emma said that the thought of Emma possibly taking her own life seemed impossible to them. She just, like, wasn't that type of person. And of course, you know, you never know if someone's actually going to do that, but, but it just didn't seem right. Yeah. But Emma had not shown any signs of depression leading up to her death and seemed to be taking her breakup with Riley well. Like, she seemed to be moving on pretty well and being happy, normal self. If you hear a little jingle bell, it's my roommate's cat who just jumped onto my um, desk area. <laughs> I've been hearing her. It's really cute, Okay, though. cool. She she likes my room, so I just kind of let her run around. Investigators arrived with only the vague details from first responders. So first responders were like, we don't know what happened. We need police investigators, someone, you know? Yeah. And they were like, uh, we don't know what happened. The working theory at this time from the first responders was suicide. Um, different from spreading that narrative on social media, just saying that, but you know, that's just what they thought it might have been. Yeah. 
When Detective Alan Merritt and his colleagues got to the scene, they identified the stain on Emma's pillow as a definite blood stain. So when you looked at the stain, it was really small and it kind of almost looked like she like got sick or threw up a little bit on her pillow. But they, they determined that it was blood. When they looked closer, they realized there was a really small hole in the wall right next to Emma's pillow. They were like, what the hell is that? Yeah. While there was only a little blood that was visible on her pillow, when examining Emma's head, investigators found a small entry wound confirming that Emma had been shot in her own bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where this is going. It's so crazy. Like, you think... When you're in your house and you're asleep, you're safe. Someone shot through. Well, I mean, yeah, like it literally looked like she just passed away in her sleep. Yeah, but like someone shot but, through the wall of a house and just, boom. And, and just got her. Yeah. yeah. Um, crazy. The bullet was determined to have entered her head just above her left ear and the wound was thought to be immediately fatal to Emma because it hit like right in her brain. So Yeah, that's that's pretty. So that's why she wasn't like making moving or making any noise when her father came in because she was like probably already gone, unfortunately. Yeah, fair enough. So even though he did go to sleep, there probably wasn't anything to do for her. Yeah. As the investigation continued, they found another bullet hole in the baseboard of the house. So two shots had actually been fired at the house. I guess the first one just missed its target. I guess, because there's not like a hole in the wall? No. Like the second one? There's not like a... I mean, <clears throat> it, it's kind of in the wall. It's at the baseboard, so it's like very low down. Fair enough. But it's around like the same area type of thing. In the walker's yard, they also found two shell casings and one live round. So they have a bullet. They have the bullet caliber. If you know anything about guns, uh, calibers can be used for different guns. But if you know the caliber, it does narrow down the amount of guns that could shoot that bullet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know a lot about guns, but that's what I understand about that. <laughs> I don't either, so I'm no help. Are we even from Texas? The family had to be notified, and Mark, Emma's father, was forced to face the reality that he had heard the gunshots that killed his daughter and had no idea. Yeah, that that sucks. Yeah, that sucks real bad. Like, so bad. Emma's parents could not think of anyone who wanted to hurt their kind-hearted daughter. But Emma's friends already had their suspicions on who might be responsible for Emma's untimely death. Riley. <laughs> right there. <laughs> uh-huh. Emma's friends started to look back on Emma's relationship with Riley. <laughs> and question. <laughs> whether... Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, we see where this is going. Always look at the boyfriend. Or the husband. And they questioned whether or not Riley had any motive to kill Emma. 
Under this almost picture-perfect teen couple was a controlling and jealous boyfriend. Friends of Emma said that Riley quickly started to become very controlling of her and her actions. He often wanted to know where Emma was and where she was going and who she was going with almost all the time. It got to the point where he didn't even like Emma hanging out with her other friends without him. Which, uh, if you aren't... Um... <laughs> yeah, that's really not good. That's very, very toxic. Yeah, that's not acceptable. Yeah, um, if you aren't familiar with abusive relationships, this is a tactic to make feel make people feel like their abuser is the only person they can rely on. Because if you cut everyone else out of their life, then they only have you. And you mm-hmm. can continue to abuse them. So, I don't... I'm just going to say this now. I don't think there was any physical abuse or anything like that. I just... I, I think there was a lot of emotional and psychological abuse. If Emma went somewhere without Riley, he would harass her with texts and calls. Friends of Emma's said he would send at least 40 to 150 texts to her and call her 20 to 30 times if she went out with her friends, which is, again, not okay in the slightest. Yeah, oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Chill. I'm, um, I mean, I'm not. I was going to say I'm surprised she didn't get out faster, but like when you're in an abusive relationship, it's really hard to take a step back and look at those things sometimes. So I can't blame her. Emma's parents even started to see a change in their daughter. The fun-loving, outgoing person that they knew had suddenly become very closed off and reserved. She was spending a lot more time in her room, and she started picking more arguments with her parents over Riley. Emma's parents thought that Riley was toxic for their daughter, and when things got bad with him, Emma's parents tried to limit her contact with him. Um, but he always seemed to find a way to come back into her life. So they would be like, we're monitoring your phone, you're not allowed to text him, you're not allowed to call him, all this stuff. But um, Riley mm-hmm. would just show up to their church services, or her little brother's basketball games where they couldn't technically tell him to leave because that's a public service. Anyone can go. Yeah. Emma's parents' distrust of Riley um, did not mean that they thought he was capable of murdering their daughter. You know, who else was it going to be? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. um, Who else has a motive to kill a 16-year-old girl? Not many people. The knowledge of their house. That's good enough to shoot Elena. Yeah. No. After Emma broke the relationship off for good, friends of Riley's said that they saw a change in him and began to unravel. He started to go to drastic measures to get a chance to even just see Emma. God. Friday before Thanksgiving, after Emma had just broken up with Riley, Emma was celebrating a football game win at her house with, or sorry, at a friend's house. This is when Emma suddenly received a frantic text from an unknown number saying that Riley had been kidnapped. Emma, of course, 
was like, what? What the hell is this? And then her phone rang from the same number. On the phone, you could only hear Riley yelling in the background, and it was just him saying, like, help me, help me, I'm, like, tied up, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then. Yeah. Um, well, sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> Emma, not thinking this is, like, a prank or a ruse at all, gathered all her friends from the party, and they rushed out of the house. I don't know where they thought they were going, but they just, like, ran out of the house. And, um, surprisingly, there was Riley. Standing there, oh. totally okay. Um, just chillin'. Okay. Emma appropriately started to yell at him and argue with him, being like, what the hell, dude? Yeah. Um, but Riley was like, no, 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 I was, like, totally kidnapped. They just, like, dropped me off here. I... Okay, then, sir. Yeah. Uh, shockingly, Emma didn't believe this story at all. She was wow. super mad at him, and she was like, this is not a funny prank for shouldn't be doing this to like grab my attention this is not okay yeah uh, because it's a hundred percent not okay emma um stayed over at her friend's house that night and then drove herself home the next morning when she approached her driveway she saw that there was a person dressed in black with the hood obstructing his face just kind of chilling on her street getting closer to her house so she pulled into the driveway and then walking up to the driveway. To get a good look at the man, he pulled his hood tighter around his face so she couldn't see it. Uh, she quickly ran inside the house and locked all the doors uh, because she was home alone at the time. I think this was around 10 a.m. I don't know where everyone else was, but they weren't there. Um, when she got into the house, the man started pounding on the door aggressively and yelling through it to let him in. Emma was obviously terrified at this point and called the one person who she thought could help her in this situation. Which was Riley. Not the police? Right? Uh, my next sentence is, girl, call the police. <laughs> yeah, please call the police. Call your parents. Not Riley. Call anyone else. The only guess that her friends could give as to why she went to Riley instead of the police, her parents, anyone else, um, was that despite being broken up with him, he was still a sense of security for her. She still felt safe when he was around. Which I could get. Uh, yes. that make, I guess that makes sense. Big, strong, wide receiver who was your boyfriend <laughs> for two years. So, Yeah. She texted him, I hate you, but I need you right now. And then FaceTimed <laughs> him and was like, please come over. There's this guy pounding on the door. Um, Riley arrived at the house about 30 minutes later as he drove down from Maryville. And he searched the yard and the surrounding neighborhood, but found no sign of the man that Emma was describing. Well, I mean, at least he's not there anymore. Yeah, but neither of them called the police. When investigators looked at a neighbor's security footage from that day, they were able to see the man that Emma had described. 
the camera unfortunately did not get a clear shot of the guy's face. And at this time, investigators were like, okay, we have nowhere else to go. Let's bring Riley in. Because her friends don't seem to like her. her right. Mom. When Riley was brought in for questioning, the officers first inquired about his kidnapping. Because what the hell? Riley insisted that the story he told Emma was true and that he really had been abducted. Riley, no, you weren't. (laughs) He's holding on to this so hard. He detailed to the police how he was going over to his stepfather's house and was in the driveway when a mysterious van pulled in next to him. Two men exited the van and started walking towards him. The next thing he knew, the two men attacked him and forced him back into the van. Hmm. Yeah. He gave no physical description of the men, like what they were wearing. Two men. two men. Two dudes. They were men. He took me. <laughs> he said they started, or he was bound. And uh, it just started kind of driving around. And then they asked him, who would you want to talk to for the last time? You know, as uh, kidnappers do. Yeah, they they do that. They do that. They say, hey, we're going to kill you. So who do you want to talk to one more uh-huh. time? Who, so who do you want to evidence. <laughs> of course, you know, replied Emma, because it's the only person thinking about right now. And they made that call. Yeah, he was like screaming in the background, help me. He gave no explanation as to why the kidnappers didn't say anything on the call or how the kidnappers got her number to text her in the first place. I guess he gave it to them instead of. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it would just be that they got it from him, but. Or how he still. ended up at her at friend's house that she was at. Yeah. Like, because that's not. That doesn't. If you think in. about that for a second, that's really creepy because you think that he would go to her house, but he knew that she was at a friend's house. Yeah. So Riley said that Emma didn't believe his kidnapping story because no shit. But Riley said that he thought the guys who kidnapped him had to be behind the mysterious guy who was lurking around Emma's driveway the next morning. Uh, Riley said he arrived to rescue her Saturday morning because he still cared for her and loved her. Also disclosed that he talked to Emma Sunday night, right before she went to bed. If you remember, Sunday was the evening that she was killed. Yes. And told her how much he loved her and that he wanted to get back together with her. Emma's response to him was that she still cared about him and she still loved him, but she didn't really want to get back together with him. She is standing her ground. It's good for you, girl. Yeah, good for you. Riley said he spent most of the night crying in his parked car that was parked in his dorm room parking lot, 25 miles away from where Emma was. Next morning, he woke up to people sharing their condolences with him. That's how he found out about her death. Bullshit. Yeah, uh, the investigators thought so, too, because they were immediately <laughs> suspicious of Rolyly. Rolyly? 
We got Miley. We got real Riley. <laughs> we're immediately suspicious of her, of Riley, to say the least. One of the main reasons they were was because throughout the interview, investigators were really confused about the way Riley would talk about Emma. He made it a point to profess his love to her, but refused to say her name almost the entire interview. Oh. He would refer to her as the girl. She, her, the girl who died, but didn't use her name until he was prompted. Wow. Apparently, he loves this girl. He's head over heels. He wants this girl so bad, but he can't say her name. Can't say Emma. Yeah. When he's talking about her, it's just really freaking weird. As the interview progressed, they tried to lock down Riley's whereabouts on the night of Emma's death. He stuck to his story, saying that he was in his dorm room parking lot at Maryville College, crying in his car because of the breakup. I guess he didn't want to go back into his room and cry in front of his roommate, so... I guess. That's the story there. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That's all that happened. That you were out of your room, buddy. Pretty convenient. All right. He said he returned to his room. At 4.30 a.m. And his roommate was still awake. Which, like, that surprised me. He's like, why are you still awake? And his roommate was like, why are you still awake, bro? Yeah. Valid why question. were you out till 4.30? Why are we... What are we both doing here? It's like when we we meet at the kitchen at, like, 2 a.m. It's like, it's oh, like, what, are, what are you oh. It's like, well, we both live here, but we're not really supposed to be here. It's 2 a.m. and we're both in the kitchen. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's that moment. (laughs) Investigators found it weird that Riley would sit in his car in the parking lot for hours, just kind of crying. Um... I can understand being upset and crying, but like... But this is his cover multiple times. Riley. Oh, yeah. His cover multiple times? What do you mean? Well, like, he he just... He's doing it. Why? Why why is he saying he's doing that? What, crying in his car? Yeah, he's... Because um, Emma just broke up with him. Or just said, there's no way we're getting back together. I mean... I still wouldn't cry in my car for hours. I'd probably go inside eventually. Yeah. Probably before 4 a.m. Collect yourself enough to go eat some food. Right. I don't know. As they started pushing more, Riley started to pick up on the fact that the police were very suspicious of him. They, at this point, were like, okay, we'll just drop the act and started asking him the hard-hitting questions of, did you shoot at Emma's house? Do you have anything to do with Emma's death? Did you hire someone to kill Emma? You know, those types of things that they have to ask in an investigation. Right. don't necessarily want to lead with. <laughs> yeah. To every single question, he was like, no, absolutely not. He adamantly denied having anything to do with Emma's death. He said he would rather hurt himself than ever hurt Emma. I guess. Yeah. Despite his denial, Riley had become the prime suspect in the investigation. 
they had to let him go as they had no evidence against him. It just it was like you have motive, but we don't have any evidence to prove that it was you. Yeah, that's a fair point. We can't hold you. No. The biggest piece of evidence that was missing was the murder weapon. This was really the only piece of physical evidence that would tie everything together. Because there's not really a crime scene. There's not really much to go off of. It's just a girl who died. We have a live round and two shells. There's no fingerprinting or anything like that. It would be the murder weapon that would tie everything together. Yeah. Interestingly, the day before Emma's death, it turns out that Riley Gull's grandfather called the police to report a handgun was stolen from him. Huh. Yeah. Riley also lived with this grandfather when he wasn't attending school. Huh. Right? That's super weird. And like such a weird coincidence. Yeah, like that's that's too matches up too well. Uh-huh. Also, the gun matched the caliber of the bullets that were found on Emma's lawn. Well, I mean, there you go. There we go, but we still have to find it. True. Riley completely denied ever knowing the gun was missing after Second interview with police, Riley reached out to his close friends, Alex and Noah. These friends had become his biggest source of support amidst the breakup and now the allegations against them. Riley confided to them that he had nothing to do with the shooting of Emma, but he did have possession of his grandfather's gun for some reason. Okay, sounds like another way to cover his bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Riley told Alex and Noah that he had the gun and he needed their help to hide it so no one else would find it because the murder was being pinned on him he didn't want to go to jail for a murder he didn't do well um you did do it <laughs> so sir what Riley told them that he wanted to take his friends to the bluffs. The bluffs are kind of like some mountain peaks in Tennessee, next to the Tennessee River. And he okay, wanted then. to throw the gun into the Tennessee River because the police would never be able to find it. Because that river is big as hell and is dirty. Yeah, okay, I see. His friends were like, alright, okay, we can do that for you. And then they hung up the phone and immediately called the police. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> they said, yeah, bro, we can totally do that. Uh, oh, yeah, that sounds great. One beep, beep, second. <laughs> the other one's, like, literally dialing 911 while they're still on the phone. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's us get, get the phone. Get on the phone. Yeah, but they were smart about it. They weren't immediately like, bro, what the hell? No, we're not going to do that. Yeah, that's that's, pretty, that's a good play. Yeah. Um. After hearing this plan, the police were like, okay, you know what we got to do? We got to set up a sting operation. So, no one, Alex, imagine this. You're 18 years old. Your friend calls you and is like, hey, I had nothing to do with the murder of my ex-girlfriend. But I need you to help me to hide the murder weapon that I somehow have. 
they call mm-hmm. the police. The police are like, okay, we're going to wire up your car. We're going to put a video camera in your backpack. And we're going to wire you up. And you're going to go with him to help him hide the gun. And as soon as you see it, you're going to text us a code word. And we're going to swoop in and we're going to arrest him. That's insane. Yeah. It's, uh, whoa. <laughs> Uh, That's like if I was asked to do that tomorrow. Yeah. I'd be like, no, um, mm, um <laughs> I've got a lot of homework. I have uh, some stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Literally hours after their talks, Riley, they were wired up and they were ready to go because the police were like, we need, wow. we need to move fast on this. He wants to do this tonight. We have to do this tonight. Okay. So Alex's car was wired up, they got in the car, and a non-suspicious, like, non-police car was following them, and then there was a bunch of other police cars that were following that non-specific car, you know? Yeah. So they had a lot of people on this. Noah and Alex waited as patiently as they could for Riley to arrive at Noah's house, where the three agreed to meet up and discuss the disposal of Riley's grandfather's gun. Riley eventually arrived, and the operation was officially underway. When Alex did their best to act natural as police instructed them to do, Riley said that never in his life would he kill someone he loved that much, and that he wished that he could be upset about Emma's death, but couldn't because he was too worried about being arrested for a crime he didn't commit. Bullshit. Yeah, um... There's plenty of people who have been wrongly convicted and are devastated that the person yeah. that died is dead. Like, Yeah. And they're also devastated that they went to jail because they didn't do anything. But, sir, I, I don't know if I believe you. There was a couple arguments about whether or not Riley should hand the gun over to police because Alex and Noah were like, bro, why don't we just give the gun to police? Trying to get him to do that. And Riley was like, no, no, we can't do that. Yeah, I wonder why we can't do that. I really wonder why. Because uh, it might place you at the crime. And it might also, like, you're trying to hide evidence from the police. So that's also not Yeah, that's just, it's not going to work out, man. So they decided to head out. First, the boys drove to Riley's stepfather's house. Where Riley had stashed the gun, he exited the house carrying something wrapped in a couple plastic bags before re-entering the car. And then they were on their way to the bluffs. They did make an interesting detour, however. Um, They stopped at a fast food restaurant Mm -hmm. just to get some food. They were just hungry. When asked why they did this, Alex and Noah explained that they were almost kind of mourning the loss of their friends and wanted to have one last moment where they were doing something together like it was old times. Yeah, I get that. I could get that. I mean, also, and it probably made it seem more, like, realistic. Yeah. They were like, Like, hey, bro, you want to get some food? And he was probably like, hell Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It made it feel more we're hanging out as friends and not we're in a sting operation, which did probably help them. Yeah. 
That, that, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they were taking Riley's guard down. Around 11 p.m., the boys arrived at the bluffs and parked in a nearby apartment complex where Alex knew the gate code because he had made deliveries there in the past. <laughs> yeah, nice. you know, as you do. Yeah. It was when they were in the parking lot that Riley pulled the gun from the plastic bags. And Noah immediately texted detectives who the idea was they were supposed to swarm the vehicle instantly. But suddenly, two minutes had passed and no one had come to their rescue. This moment was, like, very stressful, obviously. Um, yeah. And it probably felt like years instead of minutes. Probably. Alex could see that the SUVs were outside of the gate, but didn't know what the delay was. Apparently, they were having trouble, like, getting the code into the gate. So, okay, they're just kind of stuck out there right now. But Alex, trying to think quick on his feet, grabbed the gun from Riley and just kind of oh started to look at it and being like, whoa, this is a real gun, dude, you know. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Riley got pissed, snatched the gun out of his hand, and, like, started to yell yeah. at him. Gosh. But at this moment, the police finally were able to get inside and swarmed the vehicle. They immediately arrested Riley, and Alex and Noah were still acting like, whoa, what the hell? What's going on? Because, uh, no, safety. Yeah. Riley is using a gun. <laughs> He did immediately drop it, though, as soon as he called the police, and the officers retrieved it from the car. The serial number was taken down, and Riley was taken into custody and charged for the murder of Emma Walker. Now the case was headed to court almost a year and a half after the murder of Emma Walker, and Riley Gull was preparing to plead not guilty to the charges against him. Oh, yeah, what? <laughs> um... I know why, and it's really fucking crazy. We'll get into it in a minute, because it's so okay. much bullshit. Gotcha. The prosecution not only had the murder weapon, but they had obtained GPS and phone records, which showed that Riley had lied about his whereabouts on the night of the murder. Ooh. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I'm really not shocked. No. He placed himself in Maryville, clearly showed him in Knoxville. The defense had something just completely batshit crazy up their sleeve. Um, Riley had suddenly changed his story. He claimed he was at Emma's house that night, and he did fire the gun, but he didn't intend to murder her. Riley never intended to kill, and assumed that she would not die because he shot the gun through a wall. Uh, he didn't think it would go through, and her. Okay, but he still he did. still did it. And also, <laughs> this wasn't like a brick house. This was a wooden house. Like, no. Oh, no, bro. That's not how that works. Yeah. It was said that Riley fired the shot in the backyard to scare Emma so that he could come to her rescue and be like the knight in training armor. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he would then come in and comfort her and, like, totally win her back because that's how that works. 
So the defense was going for reckless murder rather than premeditated murder, which the sentence for reckless murder is only two to four years in Tennessee. If time served, that would mean Riley could be getting out in six to seven months. Yeah, that's BS. That is bullshit. No. <laughs> the prosecution had to completely replan, replan their attack as it, this was no longer a whodunit sort of case, but a question of intention. The defense said nothing about the man in black being Riley, because if you didn't get the subtext there, um, the police thought that the man in black was Riley and that Riley was doing that to win Emma back. Yeah. And they actually did have a person that said that they thought Riley was the man in black based on the way that he posed himself um, and walked. But like there wasn't really any evidence to suggest that it was for sure him, so I didn't really put it in there. But they had right. reason to believe that it was him, and I think. Okay. Uh, they did admit that Riley's kidnapping story was a complete ruse, and... They definitely did this because it would make it look more plausible that he would be willing to pull off a stunt just to get Emma's attention to show how desperate he was. Yeah, okay. That's a fair point. They were like, oh, if he did this, then he would do something like this. Yeah, like, why would he want to kill her? If... Yeah. At first glance, this seems pretty plausible. But when you take a closer look at the facts, things start to feel a little far-fetched. First of all, if he had been there just to scare Emma, then why didn't he, like, not shoot to the house? Just, like, shoot on the ground, shoot in the air, shoot literally anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, secondly, if he, he just wanted to scare her, he, he really didn't have to bring the gun at all. Because he scared her the day before without a gun. He could have, like, banged on her walls. He could have broken her window with a rock. Like, he didn't have to bring a gun. Um, thirdly, again, this was a wood house. It's gonna go through the damn wall. Like, that's just common yeah. sense. And where Riley was standing when he took that shot, it was determined that he was only five feet away from where Emma was sleeping. Oh my gosh. Literally, if we stand at each end of your dorm room and I'm pointing a gun at you. <laughs> but like... Yeah. If we put a wall in between that, it's still gonna be fatal. So... there will, Yeah, that is still five that, feet yeah. of distance. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm just gonna... Blah, blah, blah. But you know, the defense had to come up with some bullshit. Yeah. Prosecutors argued that after Riley's stunts of getting Emma back didn't work and she was adamant about not wanting to be with him even though she still cared for him and loved him, he gave up on winning her back and instead made it so that she wouldn't be with anyone else. He was jealous and possessive. They used a couple different things such as the five feet away argument, the video taken from the sting argument, which kind of showed Riley's more sinister side, as you can kind of see him almost manipulating his friends into helping him hide the murder weapon. Like he would say things like, right, guys, this is like my whole life. If I get found out for this, it's like 70 years and I'm done. Like he gets 70 years in prison and he's done. So I'm putting my life in your hands. 
after everything was presented to the jury, they went off to deliberate, and they came back only four hours after they had left. Riley Gall was found guilty of first-degree murder. Good. Is currently serving out his sentence and is not eligible for parole until he is in his 70s. So. Well, okay. He's gotcha. out. No, he's not. Emma Walker's memory is still alive and well in the city of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, she had a scholarship that was named after her at her high school. Uh, there was also a dog park in her honor. Because she had that deep love of animals. And even... That's cute. It's really sweet. Uh, I think her parents mm -hmm. helped put up the dog park. Because they knew she loved animals. And <laughs> she said it's a really great place for people who knew Emma. And people who didn't know Emma to come and remember her. Bye. So that's really sweet. Yeah. And at the East Tennessee Children's Hospital, a NICU newborn intensive care unit exam room is named after her. The room engraving reads, Emma Jane Walker aspired to be a NICU nurse. So that's really sweet, and I think that's really awesome. Emma's parents encouraged that the best way to remember her is to learn from what happened to her. They hope that this story will bring more awareness and teachings of what a healthy relationship is and how to identify if yours is becoming toxic. And with that, we are done with the story of Emma Walker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that one's interesting. It's it's very interesting because she died so suddenly. Um, yeah. It was like such a bizarre thing. And then if we hadn't had those two 18-year-olds call the police, then this probably would have been a cold case because they wouldn't have been able to go anywhere with it. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. So uh, thank you to Noah and Alex for being <laughs> citizens. Yes. I hope you are doing well. Um, they really That's, carried the story here. Yeah, it's crazy that at 18 years old, they were like, okay, we just, we gotta yeah. do this. Sting operation professional. And it, especially against your friend, who, yeah. you know, you never want to see your friend go to jail, even if they are guilty. Right. But anyways, that is all we have time for. Uh, if you want to tell us how we're doing... Go ahead and give us an email at truecrimesaywhat at gmail.com. If you want to see photos from this case and all our other cases, you can follow us on Instagram at truecrimesaywhat. And we will see you next week with another case. Goodbye. Bye-bye.